Hello, hello, and welcome back to Art House Garage, the snob-free film podcast where we make art house, indie, classic, and foreign cinema accessible to the masses. I'm your host, Andrew Sweatman, and today we've got a discussion of the new film Men from director Alex Garland and starring Jesse Buckley and Rory Kinnear. Filmmaker Corey Clifford joins the show for the Men conversation, and I'm so glad that she did. It's a really great discussion. Before that, I also give my brief reaction to two film festivals, the recent Made in Arkansas Film Festival and Kaleidoscope, the LGBTQ plus film festival, both of which I was able to attend in the last two weeks. Don't go anywhere. Before we get into everything, a quick plug for the Arthouse Garage web store. The most recent addition is a new design that says, Cinema is Spiritual. Listeners to the show know that I like to talk about the connection between art and spirituality, and this new t-shirt design really reflects that theme in a cool way. And it's not just a t-shirt, you can order it on a hoodie, or a coffee mug, or a tote bag, or a number of other things. To check it out for yourself, go to arthousegarage.com shop or find a link in the show notes. Before we get into today's men discussion, I wanted to take just a couple of minutes to highlight the two excellent film festivals I attended recently right here in Arkansas. The first was the Made in Arkansas Festival, all the films and filmmakers featured in this fest have a connection to the state, and there's always some great stuff on display. This festival is run by Johnny Brannon and Carrie Michael, two wonderful people who have both been on this podcast before. Uh, It was back in person this year after two years virtual, and it takes place in the beautiful Ron Robinson Theater in downtown Little Rock. The festival ran May 13th through 15th. That's Friday through Sunday. I was able to go Friday night And for a few hours Saturday afternoon, I saw a number of short films plus a feature-length documentary. That documentary is called Forever Majestic, and it's a fascinating look at a historic building in Hot Springs, Arkansas, the Majestic Hotel. Honestly, I went into this not feeling too excited about the subject matter, but I ended up loving it. The filmmaker, Michael Schwartz, has an obsession with abandoned buildings, and he discovered this huge, beautiful abandoned hotel in Hot Springs a few years before part of it was lost in a fire. The film looks at the circumstances around that fire, the history of the building and the city, and the political battle raging over the historic downtown district in Hot Springs. I really enjoyed that one, and it ended up winning the Best of the Festival award for the entire weekend. Among the shorts, I think my favorite was a short documentary called Just Benjamin from director Paige Murphy. The film focuses on Benjamin, a trans man from South Arkansas. The film follows his journey to move away from Arkansas and also spends time looking back, in particular at the complicated family relationships Benjamin has grappled with over the years. The film features a lot of really moving interviews. I think the most interesting for me were with Benjamin's father. It seems that his experiences with his son don't mesh easily with his religious beliefs, and it's pretty remarkable that the film sits in the uncomfortable tension of that situation, and we see a father ultimately choose love, even when it's not an easy choice. We also learn about Benjamin's personal history and get an up-close look at life in Arkansas and what some of Benjamin's challenges are. Ultimately, the film really honors Benjamin and his experiences, and it's a very empathetic look 
at some complex situations. Just Benjamin ended up winning an award as well. It took the award for Best Student Short Film at Made in Arkansas. There were many other good short films. There was another documentary about the rehabilitation of baby tigers that I really enjoyed. That one's called Uncharted. I also missed a ton of other shorts just because I wasn't able to stay the entire time, some of which I was really hoping to see. Some other familiar names who have been on the podcast before had films in the festival. Obed Lamy, Connor Allen Smith, Molly Wheat, and Chad Hill all had films play. Chad Hill's short film, How Do I Tell You This, ended up winning Best Short Film, so congrats to Chad for that. I've still not seen that film, actually, but hoping to soon. And Molly Wheat's short film also won. Uh, It's called Call Me When You Can, and that won the Best Micro Short Award. So that was Made in Arkansas, a really good year, and so nice to be back in person for that one. Next up is Kaleidoscope, the LGBTQ plus film festival that ran May 19th through 22nd. That's a Thursday through Saturday. I was able to attend Friday and Saturday evening, and I saw four feature films. Kaleidoscope takes place at the Argenta Community Theater in North Little Rock. It was also virtual for the past two years, so this was actually my first time attending in person, and it was great. I'll run quickly through the features that I saw. Friday, I watched After Blue, which is a very wild sci-fi film about a planet inhabited only by women, visually wonderful and wildly inventive. Next up was a documentary called Jamel and Tim. This one was really tough to watch, but very well made and important. It tells the story of two black gay men who died under unjust circumstances in connection with a powerful and abusive white man. Because this abuser was so well connected, he went unpunished for years while activists organized and rallied and eventually made a difference. The film also honors the lives of Jamel and Tim by speaking at length with their friends and family an incredibly moving film, and it was followed up by a panel with members of the Human Rights Campaign of Arkansas, who spoke about the connection the events of the film have here in our state, and how to address the complex issues involved in the documentary. A really informative and inspirational panel. The next day, I made it in for another documentary called North by Current, which I loved. It is from filmmaker Angelo madsen Minax, a trans man who turns the camera on his own family and hometown. There are family secrets and crimes involved in the story, and the director is able to maintain a very specific and unique tone, especially unique for a documentary, that I found incredibly engrossing. I highly recommend checking that one out if you're able to. And finally, I had seen this one before, but I watched Benedetta, that is the lesbian nun movie based on a true story of a nun in medieval France. It's directed by Paul Verhoeven, who also gave us Robocop, Total Recall, and Showgirls, so as you can imagine, this film is big and loud and quite the crowd pleaser. One other thing, in between films, I made it across the street. The festival also brought in an installation of an exhibit called Blank Spaces, which looks at the history of queer cinema. The exhibit is one part, an augmented reality timeline experience that you view with your phone, and that was really cool. And then the other part is a 15-minute documentary looking at some specific film touchstones in the history of cinema, as it pertains to queer representation. It was incredibly informative. You can actually watch the documentary portion of that online now. I will link to that in the show notes. 
So that was Kaleidoscope. There were several other films shown that I sadly didn't have time for, uh, as well as filmmaker workshops, a quiz night, a stand-up comic, a brunch, as well as great merchandise and a signature cocktail. Just a lot of fun, a very high-quality festival, and I can't wait to go back next year. So I hope this is a good reminder that a lot of exciting film things happen right here in our state and the film community in Arkansas continues to grow. If you live in Arkansas, I encourage you to support local artists by going to festivals like this when you get the chance. Okay, let's get into today's film. Alex Garland is the director behind the films Ex Machina and Annihilation, as well as the creator of the TV show Devs. He is also the screenwriter behind such films as The Beach, 28 Days Later, Never Let Me Go, and Sunshine. His new film is simply titled Men, and it follows a woman named Harper, played by Jessie Buckley. She has recently been through a traumatic experience involving the death of her husband, and she goes out to the countryside to get away and heal. Unfortunately, she is plagued at every turn by the men of this village. Interestingly, all of the men in the film are played by a single actor, Rory Kinnear. The film gets pretty extreme, and it definitely focuses in on gender and the experiences of women, as well as the many, many problematic things men do and say. Filmmaker Corey Clifford is back on the show today, and I'm so happy she is. Corey is a director, an actor, a writer, a producer, and it was great to talk with her about this film. I'm really happy with how this discussion turned out. You may remember Corey from back on episode 62 when she discussed the film Annette. We talk about Corey's work just a little bit at the beginning, and I will link in the show notes to a few of her projects so you can see those for yourself. All right, let's get into it. Here is my discussion with filmmaker Corey Clifford about Alex Garland's Men. Hello. Hi. Mrs. Marlowe, yes? Harper, yes. Do, come in. The words I have to say. It's a beautiful house. Would it just be you staying? Excuse me? Mrs. Marlowe? No. Until you give your love, there's nothing more that we can do. Apple from the garden? Yeah, it was delicious. No, 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 no. Mustn't do that. Forbidden fruit. Oh, God, sorry, I... I, I'm joking. Oh. Oh. Tormented. It feels more like... Haunted. Yeah. Something happened. My husband went upstairs to our balcony and let himself go. You must wonder why you drove him to it. Why I didn't drive him to it. I thought it'd be true. But if you had given him the chance to apologize... He'd still be alive. What? A man followed me out of the woods. He was stalking me. What makes you say that? I saw him twice. Twice? I don't know if he saw you once. 
a game. You hide, I'll see. You must feel an awful sense of guilt. Stay away from me. Welcome back to the podcast, Corey Clifford. How are you today? I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, absolutely. I'm so excited to talk about this movie with you. Uh, of course, you were here before you and Ryan Lagod came on the show to talk about uh, talk about your film, Boss Babes, which yeah. um, I'm a big fan of and is now available to stream online. I will yes. link to that for people to see it. Um, Thank you. Thank and you. then... It, kind of uh, and then we talked about Annette as well which that was I loved that conversation with you guys such a such a weird movie and I know I feel today. like I'm coming back on for another <laughs> yeah. like crazy yes. one so <laughs> yeah and it was funny so during that conversation before um, I found out that Ryan's a really big fan of Alex Garland and so I actually uh-huh. had made plans to talk with him about this film um, and but then when I saw the trailer I had the thought you know, I kind of like it to not be two men talking about this movie, men. <laughs> sure. So sure, <laughs> then yeah. he actually ended up having to drop out. So that worked out kind of nicely. Out like, well, great. Let's yeah. see if Corey can do it. So <laughs> thank you so much for for being back. Absolutely. And uh, I, I didn't tell you I was going to ask this. Do you have any um, filmmaking things you want to talk about? Any projects coming up or um, well, uh, anything yeah, going on Ryan with Boss and Babes? I, yeah. um, our next short, Bunny, is oh. uh, about to be coming out, but that will be you'll can find that on a, our Instagram. I'm not Great, sure exactly yeah. when we're releasing it, but we have, okay. we're completed with our next short. So I'm excited yeah. for you are so amazing and such a, <laughs> a great person to have on our team for boss babe. So we will for sure be sending you. When yes, <laughs> definitely come back on the show and talk about it when yeah. that's out. Um, I, is there a trailer? Out? I'm just remembering. I think there I've seen is a trailer, a trailer yeah. already. Yeah, yeah. 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 I forgot about that. Well, great. Yes, I will definitely. Um, link to the social media posts that are out there for yeah, that thank in you. the show notes so people can see that but well cool well let's talk about this film men this is the new film from alex garland and my first question for you is how familiar are you generally with his other work um, as a as a writer or a director um i'm a big fan of ex machina that mm. was like ryan my film partner we mm-hmm. used a lot of um inspiration from that for our mm. short boss babes so I know that movie very well. I don't know Annihilation, but mm-hmm. I also know a lot of his other writing. Like 28 Days Later is my favorite zombie movie nice. yes, of all time. Too. So yeah, <laughs> um, as a writer and then, yeah, Ex Machina and Men. So There you go. Yeah, same. I I really like Ex Machina. I think it's my favorite of his. Um, and I have seen Annihilation. I actually, was, I, have, I never, I always wish I had time to do this. I never make the time, but this time I did. I rewatched his two previous ones, Ex Machina oh, nice. and Annihilation this past week. And uh, I've also seen his show Devs, which uh, is a longer time commitment, but is really good. And I like it quite a bit. I've heard great things oh, yeah. about that show. Yeah. I think I, 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 at some point I realized all these sci-fi movies that I really like the same person is writing them right? because we pay attention to directors so much, but not always to writers, but 28 days later, I love never let me go. I'm a big oh, fan of yeah. and, um, sunshine. He also was a writer behind that. So quite a track record. And uh, yeah, I, I do like annihilation. I like ex machina a little better. Um, but I'll, I'll have a couple actually other things to say about Annihilation as we get into this one. But yeah, um, I think um, watching men, once we get into it more, I definitely see tie ins to all of his other movies, mm, even like his writing that comes up mm, in this yeah. film, I thought. So it's interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm curious to hear more from you on that. Um, well, let's talk about this one. So this movie, man, gets pretty wild. Um, before we get into the specifics, in general, did you like this film? Did it work for you or or not? I have mixed feelings about okay. this film. Yeah. Okay. I think that's that's the what I'm seeing generally is that's a little bit more divisive than his other yeah, films. Yeah, it's definitely divisive. Um, I mean, do you want me to just like jump in my thoughts? Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> yeah, and by the way, we are going to hold spoilers till the end. So yes. um, we'll talk about everything maybe but the ending. And then at the end, we'll get into all the, the craziness of the ending of the film. But yeah, sure. go ahead. Um, well, like stylistically it's beautiful i think he has Mm. such an amazing eye and it's stunningly beautiful Mm. from a horror element the horror very much worked for me Mm. but i do wonder if it worked for me because i'm a woman and like Mm. i feel Mm. like the movie is dealing with most if not all women's biggest fear of being Mm. stalked and like not being feeling safe by themselves or like around Mm -hmm. men and so for me, like there's a scene where she goes on a walk by herself and immediately like my stomach dropped. I was like, mm. no, no, no. Why is she in the yeah. woods by herself and all yeah. of that? And I talked to my husband about it. We saw it together afterwards. And he was like, I don't know if you would have been there if I would have, if any of the like the scary horror parts would have worked for me in the same way mm. because I was like gripping him. I was hiding my face like mm. pretty much the whole time. And the main man in the movie Rory, Rory Kinnear is that yeah and Rory yeah yeah he plays every single role mm. and so every time it, you just had this like creepy this creepy feeling yeah. and so that that really worked for me the horror of it but then I don't know I also feel like hmm what is a horror movie about a woman's experience mm. but a man is telling that story yeah mm-hmm. you know it's so yeah, what did you what did you think about that? <laughs> yeah, I'll say that the horror worked for me as well. But I, 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 yeah, I was very curious. And like in general, I want to hear if the experience watching is different for women and men. Absolutely, uh, because it is so much about that. The film I thought of, kind of as I was watching, was uh, a very different movie, but Promising Young Woman mm-hmm. of last year, because that one is from a a, a woman director and. Um, it feels similar in the way that there's like, it's almost like you can check the box of like these different feminist things we want to like share with it. Absolutely. Like of the, the, the women's experiences specifically with men. And in a way it sort of is uh, like even the, the nice, the nicer guys in this, in this film um, right. end up being a problem. So in, in a way I think it's indicting and, and, and it's hopefully people, men watching it are thinking, okay, am I, am I guilty of any of this? And like Absolutely. turning within, I hope that's, you know, I think it's trying to do that. Right. Um, but yeah, from a very different angle than promising a woman is um, with this, you know, horror man <laughs> directing it and writing it. So yeah, it is interesting. And, and I'm sure like it worked for me as a horror movie, but I, I would say it wasn't like, I don't know. I, I probably, I can imagine it was more like a visceral or like more, um, cause I've never experienced these things personally. Sure. Right. Um, so yeah, at least not in the same way, any of it. Yeah. But, it was yeah. interesting too, because so the movie's dealing with like the quote unquote present day that she's in and then flashbacks mm-hmm. with her relationship with her right. husband. Mm-hmm. And, those scenes were the most powerful to me. Those were the Mm. scenes that I was like, Oh, Mm -hmm. I wish we could almost live in that world a little bit more Mm -hmm. because I felt, I mean, the whole movie is a lot of metaphors, metaphor, 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 metaphor. (laughs) And I feel like some of the flashback scenes were able to tell us some of that Mm -hmm. without 
kind of like promising young woman, like like we were mentioning. I feel like some of the time I was like, okay, I, I get it. I get what you're trying to say. Like one of the mm-hmm. first scenes of this movie, Men, is her eating an apple from a tree right. in a garden. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. got it. I see what you're <laughs> yeah. going for here. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I kind of kept going. And I honestly, when I was watching the movie, I was fully in it. Like, I feel like I am a movie watcher who can kind of just be sucked in and I'm like, okay, mm-hmm. I'm along for the ride. Yeah. But the past like two, cause I saw it on Friday, today's Sunday. So for the past two days, I have been thinking about it so much and wanting to talk about it with like anybody who has mm, yeah. <laughs> seen it. Um, and just, yeah, I don't know. I, I can't stop thinking about it, but I don't know if I, if I loved it or if I hated it. <laughs> it's kind of where I am a bit. <laughs> Very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Well, I can just say as far as my enjoyment of it, I really liked it a lot. Um, and there's some other stuff because it, it mostly is, yeah, like you said, a list of metaphors almost. And um, it, there is maybe a few other thematic things going on that I thought were, were interesting. And yeah, visually, I thought it was great as well. Um, as far as, you know, his other work compared to this, I think this probably is, uh, I, I think I do like this more than Annihilation. I like Annihilation quite a bit. Ex Machina would still be my favorite of his directed films. Well, it was but... interesting to think about Ex Machina and then also mm. even like 28 Days Later or something, realizing mm. that he has used the, the like um, comparing like the relationships between men and women so much in his work, like in 28 Days Later when the mm. men have no like the the soldiers suddenly they don't have women in their lives and then a woman comes in and they're mm-hmm. awful they're rather cruel ex machina i feel like really deals with that mm-hmm. and so and obviously men very much does and so mm-hmm. i i think it's interesting that alex garland is obviously very interested in that um yeah. power dynamic between men mm-hmm. and women and yeah i just i don't i don't know i i can't decide if i'm like oh <laughs> Is this because I don't think that like a man can't tell this story. Like, right. I don't mm-hmm. think that that is the case. Um, but it's just interesting that because I don't know how you felt, but by well, maybe I'll save that. I'll save what I have to think for the okay. spoilers. I'll, I'll okay, save okay. what I have to say about yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, that's interesting stuff. Yeah. And I'm curious, too, like how how much did he research? You know, I'm sure we can look into like behind the scenes stuff how much did he talk to women about their experiences like how i wonder how he put this together i did see one headline i haven't read much about this because i want to you know do a review discussion first but yeah something about um he's been wanting to make this film for a long time like it's been in his brain for a long time oh that's interesting to to hear but um yeah well it was also interesting because it's the it's pretty much a two-hander well the, yeah. her husband mm-hmm. yeah like amazing. a lot like ex machina yeah. just a but few characters it is very characters. much a, two, mm-hmm. uh, a two-hander that it is the woman's story but the and both of the actors i mean jesse buckley is like i could rave mm-hmm. about her she's yeah. so, one of my favorite actresses that is out there right now by far but roy kinnear you know is kind of the the star power of the movie yeah. and that mm-hmm. he's getting to play a million different characters and to mm-hmm. and kind of shine a little bit more where she's a bit just the way that yeah. her character's written a bit more one note. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting to think about too. And I, you could probably compare it to Ex Machina too. I, I, I wanted to think of those two films similarly because with Annihilation, there's a lot more characters and it or a lot more actors. I guess this one has a lot of characters of the same mm-hmm. guy, but they almost function as the same character in a way. In, yeah. in Men. But in Annihilation, there's a lot more characters. And I think some of the things that I 
it's not that I dislike them about that film, but some of the, the thing, its shortcomings, I think, is some of the dialogue. Like it doesn't quite know what to do with all these actors on screen at once, where Ex Machina is more minimal in that way, and this in in that way as well. So that almost seems to play to his strengths a little bit more. Sure. But yeah, that's interesting thinking about like it really is kind of Rory Kinnear's movie, even though it's you know ostensibly um, you know about her experiences. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's really interesting to think about. But, and then my next question, you kind of already mentioned the actor side of it. I was going to ask you as a director, as an actor, how did you think about the direction of this film, about the acting? Uh, sound like you're a fan of Jesse Buckley. Oh, yeah. I think I she's, well. yeah, she's brilliant. I could, well, I mean, just the past couple of things I've seen her and I'm so excited to see mm. what she will do next. I find yeah. her, she, because a lot of the things, especially like in the flashbacks, it's a lot of fighting between her and her husband. Yeah, yeah. And those could go to like very almost stereotypical, like to play fighting as an actor. It's exciting. Like that's a fun <laughs> scene to do. But sometimes you can kind of like get too like actory in it. Like, okay, like I'm, <laughs> I'm mad. Like, you know, like or, not yeah. real, mm-hmm. but she's so dropped in always. Yeah. And mm-hmm. so I feel like she's so easy co- to connect that way. And then with Rory Kinnear, I felt the same way of like, wow, this could have gone sketchy almost in a way mm-hmm. like he's playing a different role but like he was so realistic with each version and just like slightly changing his voice yeah. or slightly mm-hmm. changing mm-hmm. his um body or postures and then her husband um i think his name is pronounced papa Esadu, and he right, yeah, yeah i think he's amazing he was in um that show I May Destroy You last year on HBO. Yes, I've been wanting to watch that. I haven't seen it yet. Oh, you! I highly, highly recommend it. It's brilliant. Um, and I thought he was phenomenal as well, too. He's a much mm. smaller role, but I thought he was great. The acting was yeah, phenomenal. <laughs> Completely agree. Yeah, Jesse Buckley, so fantastic. The last thing I saw her in was uh, The Lost Daughter. Same. And, and you know, that that's about parenthood. It's really about motherhood. But, you know, some of those parenting things I can key into, like, wow, that this is really hitting... <laughs> <laughs> the vulnerable parts of parenting sure. in a way that you don't see on screen a lot. And, uh, and yeah, it's, that that's interesting hearing about the, you know, it's the more subtlety than you might expect in a big fight scene, like Absolutely. what you're talking about. Um, but yeah, and then working here, I think too, is so good. And especially, I think my favorite of the the men is um, Jeffrey, who's like, he's kind of the main, he's the first, first person oh, we meet. Yes, he has I a little it. bit sense of humor to him <laughs> yes. a, a bit, uh, as, as menacing as he sort of feels too. Um, I thought, yeah, so, so, so good. And, and subtle changes like you're talking about between the different characters. Right. And then the difference between that character and the priest, I was yeah. like, mm-hmm. whoa, that was yeah. just... Because it really does feel like a very different energy and a very different Absolutely. person. And then at the end, of course, we're getting like, I'm not going to spoil it yet, but yeah. <laughs> getting a lot of different characters in a short, short, yeah. like jumping in between them quicker in a way that, um, yeah. Had you, you really seen him before that. as an actor? I was looking at his IMDb and I was like, I guess I have seen him in some stuff. He's in like Mission Impossible movies and 007 movies. Right. It seems like he does a lot of British television maybe so as I, well. I'm sure I've seen his face in things and I just didn't quite register uh, yeah, never in this big of a role. Yeah. Yeah. And he has sort of a, I don't know, like basic is the word I want to say, sort of a nondescript, like um, unassuming sort of a look about him, which makes him perfect for this role, I think, because it's sort of an everyman kind of a face. Yes, (laughs) absolutely. This is kind of getting at that idea. So that's that's kind of interesting thing about him. Well, what about as a director? uh, What do you think of the direction of this, you know, having directed some things yourself? I think that was amazing. The way I'm so interested in how people can create tension in movies Mm -hmm. um, with 
because the scenery that like Jesse Buckley is in is extremely beautiful. Like it's yeah. a idealistic town mm. that she's in. Everything's very green and bright. And I loved that how most like horror scary films usually play in the darkness of things. But this mm-hmm. was pretty, I mean, there were dark elements, but it was pretty bright as well. Like a lot of things were happening during the daytime. And yeah. I mm-hmm. thought that like visually was really exciting. Um, I mean, I think I th- the what he did with the actors too. I mean, that the direction I thought was amazing. Like it hit mm. all of the things yeah. that I think he was trying to do. And that's where I'm like, I'm interested. I'm like, hmm, okay, is this the writing, like the, the yeah. metaphor of it all that I'm having a little bit of issue mm-hmm. with? Or is it... I don't know. Like it's, I keep saying, I don't know. And I know that's like such a not interesting (laughs) thing to say, but it's kind of, that's how I think about this movie. Like the past couple days, I'm just like, ah, I, I think the directing was amazing. I think the acting was amazing. Mm -hmm. I think the look was amazing, but it makes me, it makes me very Mm -hmm. uncomfortable too. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Which I'm sure was the point. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. Let's talk more about that. First I'll mention, my sort of reaction to the direction and I'm not a director, but I just noticed a few kind of references that I thought were interesting. Um, I thought about the film stalker. There's literally yes. a stalker in this, but, yes. but not only because of that element of, but like the, the lush green landscape and sort of, and like water on the ground and like even the coat she's wearing. When mm-hmm. I first saw the trailer for this, like this reminds me of stalker. And then I remembered, so I don't know, you haven't seen annihilation, but annihilation is, very much uh, thematically tied to the movie Stalker. Actually, it's about this zone that people go into, and it's not exactly clear what's going on there. So, I think he really likes that movie. So, that yeah. I feel like probably is an intentional point of reference. I also thought recently we had on the podcast did uh, the Third Man, which really just the image of like a man at the end of a tunnel, like the silhouette, like all the silhouettes and things. Um, I, I I don't know if that was intentional, but definitely thought of that one as well. But yeah, visually so good and um that scene in the tunnel is amazing that's my one of my favorite scenes mm, of the whole movie so good brilliant yeah well let's let's talk about that scene and then we kind of talk about the maybe the toxic masculinity part part of everything but i think that that scene is interesting because it's almost it again metaphor it's almost a metaphor for like she has this she's getting over this grief this horrible traumatic thing has happened to her where her husband has died and 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 horrible circumstances and yeah so it's almost like she's in she's on this walk and she's trying to you know (laughs) live her life and and sort of get over and and heal and then she comes to this tunnel and and there's this great shot at the beginning where um it's just the it it zooms in where all you can see is her back in this huge blank black screen it's like she's facing the void and facing the darkness of of working through grief and and all of this i thought that was a a cool visual representation of that and and just the idea of a a dark tunnel in the middle of your life like dark night of the soul to get through kind of thing i thought that was a really cool uh, way to do all that absolutely that scene was so interesting to me too because immediately you feel especially when it's like the dark void it's like you feel like no please don't go in there turn around run away (laughs) and then when she's in it she has this really beautiful she's like doing this echo and Mm jesse buckley has an insanely beautiful voice so Mm -hmm. it becomes this really like oh she's like almost feels like taking back her power like she's Mm -hmm. laughing she's having a good time and then suddenly this man appears man, and that, everything yeah. is just taken away again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, I didn't think about the fact that she's yeah taking back the power in the middle of that is a, is a really cool point. 
and just like the the sound design in general this whole movie especially that scene but then actually like the music i'll talk more about the music in a minute but um so she ends up doing quite like a, a round of echoes where it's 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 a really musically really cool moment and then that sound comes back in the score a handful of times and even at the ending it's sort of like twisted and sounds scary yeah. and, and that was a really cool cool touch as well absolutely yeah well one of the biggest themes of this as we've been talking about is is sort of toxic masculinity or kind of the experiences of women and there's so many as you're saying just metaphor metaphor references yeah. around all of that do you have any that stuck out to you as i don't know like favorite maybe not the right word but that you thought were well done or memorable or or that you thought were not well done well i'll i don't want to spoil anything <laughs> sure, sure. yeah there's some that definitely are only in the end that we can say. Yeah, I'll save uh, that for yeah. the spoiler stuff at the end because I think that was the biggest amount for sure. <laughs> I thought that um, this isn't really a metaphor, but I thought it was really interesting. Um, there's a part in the movie where police come to help. She mm. thinks that there's like an intruder in the house and one is a man and one is a woman. Mm -hmm. And there's only one scene with her with a woman and I kept thinking, I was like, okay, is she going to come back? Like what's mm -hmm. going to happen with this character? Cause it was like the only time in the movie besides when she's on the phone with her friend that it felt like somebody was actually listening to her mm -hmm. because the whole, nobody is ever like the, when she first gets to the house, she corrects the man calls her by her late husband's name. Right, she corrects right. him and he doesn't pay attention to that. Like nobody's ever really like listening through her in the movie. And it's a constant toxic masculinity mm. happening to her over and over and over mm. and over again. Um, the metaphors worked. They just were very yeah. obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Too, I think that's a thing too. Like, it's kind of on the nose. Mm. Yeah. It's very, very on the nose which I assume he was going for because of, I mean, the first scene mm. of the movie is her taking the bite of the apple yeah, in yeah, the garden. Yeah, yeah. So mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know. What did you think about the metaphor? Of yeah. The I, I liked it. I was like, almost like, okay, I'm going to try to like write down all of these as they have them, but there's, there's too many. I couldn't keep yeah. track of it all, but, but like even little things. And like when she's meeting Jeffrey, uh, when she's first getting there, he's like patronizing in a way that he obviously doesn't realize he's doing mm -hmm. at first. Like he, um, like he will not let her carry her bags. And later he like will not let her buy her own drink. He's like, no, right. no, no, no. I have to do that. That's a man. What a man has to do. Um, and, and like, and then he's weird about her tampons and like, yes. So in like the weird, awkward pause of that. <laughs> and again, that's acted so well by, oh. by working here. Um, so I really like just that introduction scene kind of lets you know what we're in for with that sort of stuff. Um, I really like the priest. I'm going to talk more about the religious stuff in a minute, actually, and I'll save the priest stuff for that. Um, but I thought that conversation was really interesting. And then, what did you think of the yeah. fact that every man had the same face, but it was never mm. addressed? So that's when I was yeah. like, okay, is this a a dreamlike world? Is this right. what? Mm -hmm. Is this reality? Is this her working through it in her mind? Is it all men are bad? <laughs> like, <Yeah>. what is? <laughs> I was wondering what the choice of to have that mm -hmm. and not ever address it either. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's an interesting question. I think so part of that gets into the ending. So I'll, I'll stay away from that. But um, my feeling was just that like, this is so widespread that it, it is basically every man that mm -hmm. is uh, a part of the problem and that it's like everywhere she turns, it's the same, it's the same, right? It's the same face and literally in this, but yeah, I did wonder, you know, could this be all in her head, like some sort of fever dream or something, uh, especially because the ending gets a little 
<laughs> so it's I know so I have wild. I have yeah. I keep, I'm sure people are like oh this is so annoying but when but, we get uh, to that I have thoughts yeah. about what I think it all means at the end okay well and <laughs> if it is somehow a heightened reality or not really happening uh then I think the the flashbacks we see are are the the real part absolutely all right so we're yeah. seeing her with her husband um yeah and so that, that's an interesting way to think about it as well yeah um one other just little note, and, and then this kind of gets into the ending as well, but I won't get into the very end, but just um, when Jeffrey is back near the end and he's he sort of takes on this protective role for a few minutes, mm-hmm. um, all, again, almost obnoxiously, like patronizingly protective, but also he makes a little comment um, that about his father and the yes. way his father treated him and like clearly he has some shame around like not being manly enough and so that i, I like that it, you know patriarchy harms women and men Absolutely. i like that there was a little touch of that and i think the ending kind of goes there as well um but yeah that's that's something i always uh you know as a man watching this and as a man who's you know n- not ever quite been as manly as uh you know the ideal sometimes is i appreciate when that stuff is is included so anyway yeah absolutely but, but yeah i like that but and then so you almost think like okay maybe jeffrey again we're gonna spoilers I, I won't say that yet i'll say that in a minute but i i thought his character might go one direction and didn't so um, i know yeah 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 you're rooting uh, for it's it's weird i, I actually thought that was really strange because you throughout the whole movie it's like okay you're not trusting mm-hmm. any of these men very quickly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but then i still found myself which i'm like oh what is that in me rooting yeah. for like mm-hmm. oh maybe this person's gonna be good like right, maybe this right. person mm-hmm. is gonna mm-hmm. be the quote-unquote savior and it's yeah. like oh where mm-hmm. is that coming from <laughs> yeah that's interesting because he also uses the phrase damsel in distress at one yes. point he's like oh, i will say the damsel in distress so again it's all very on the nose and obvious kind of stuff, but it's interesting too. Yeah, because I think it can cause you to kind of turn within and say, "Okay, well, why did I react that way to this thing?" Like you're right. saying, yeah. So that's that's an interesting aspect of it. Uh, well, before we get into the spoilers, is there any other you know filmmaking aspects, themes, moments that you wanted to to bring up that are that are not spoilery? I don't know. I want to get into the spoilers. Okay, I have a couple <laughs> things that I'll say yes, really please, quick. Please. Um, one is I noticed there's like a there's a recurring. So a few recurring visual things, one about like ripples in water, like mm-hmm. it, there shows the puddles and we see drips and, and like that happens a few times. And then also the dandelion, which I don't quite understand exactly the thing that happens at the end with the dandelion, but yes, a few times either. we see an image. That's one of the first images of the film. Yeah. And it's like these seeds going all over the place. And so the, the my, well, as I'm trying to figure out what that is, I'm English major, you know, brain trying to always find symbolism, even when maybe it's not there. But I <laughs> had the feeling that maybe that was having to do with kind of like with having the same man's face on everyone. Like this is everywhere. And it's like, once we let the the patriarchy out of control like how can we possibly get the dandelion back together yeah how can we possibly like and the, the ripples effects like just so widespread and um i so love I that, that. An, i didn't think about that yeah i mm-hmm. definitely did not think about that but i i love that i think that's makes so much sense because it's just yeah. constantly spreading mm-hmm. and and again that kind of gets in the ending too but one thing that happens actually in the end credits that's so not really a spoiler but it's the dandelion image just as like the names are going by and then at the end of that it comes back together and so like yeah. maybe like here's the goal like how can we get back to here right uh, i thought that was an interesting thing uh, but then the that's other thing so was cool. just the the religious aspect of it i'm always keying into those things i have a very religious upbringing and i love like looking at those things that, that i've you know split with to a great degree but sure. um the 
so like the priest scene obviously is, is again on the nose and, and like getting into that and we have the apple like so there's the garden of eden imagery but then um the thing i really liked was when she first is going on the walk before she runs into the stalker um she's like stopping to really appreciate this tree and like looking and like she's there's joy like one of the few moments that we really see her smile at all in the movie and she's like she's clearly really moved and it's like oh she's having a spiritual experience of some kind and even in the music and the soundtrack we get some sort of like it's like a a gregorian chant kind of sounding but it clearly is like religious in nature so that that really spoke to the fact like here she is having this like beautiful experience yeah like her spirit is moved and then when we get to the church later it's this horrific scary music so i I love the contrast of that like here's the organized religion that you know is supposed to be doing what she had in the woods which of course was taken away by the stalker yeah absolutely Um, so that was interesting and then in the church scene as well she goes in for one thing there's this this creepy basin that has the scary man face and then this this strange woman imagery yeah, on the other side. Did you know what that was? Was that I don't. from some? Yeah, I didn't know because that, that, that was... felt out of place. Like I've never seen that in a church. So yeah, I, I absolutely. Know. It felt yeah. more like um like witch, be like yeah, a witchy yeah. craft movie or something. Yeah, and okay, another spoiler thing we'll touch on again in a second um, about the basin because it is an odd thing. Uh, but I like that it takes a moment to to focus on the stained glass so we have christ and the four Mm -hmm. apostles and again here's here's men always men from the beginning and just sort of a a little nod to like this patriarchy has been going on forever and then even especially tied to these religious spaces that um again should be more welcoming and all of that but then uh there's another moment to at one point point again it's well, I'll wait. I'll wait. I keep on talk spoilers. It's there's a reference to something historical that it's like it's again tying into like this is a problem forever. You know, it's not right. Uh, yeah. So I like well, that about also it. With yeah. the religious stuff too, that in the flashbacks with her husband, mm. that this happens very early on in the movie. He is threatening to kill himself and saying mm-hmm. that it will be your fault. So it's like mm-hmm. always putting the blame on this woman, and then. Mm-hmm the first scene being the apple and it's like even in the bible it's like the blame is put on the woman from the very yeah, beginning yeah. and it's mm-hmm. like and that keeps coming up a lot in the movie mm-hmm. the priest mm-hmm. blames her for yeah. her husband mm-hmm. doing what he does and yeah so that was yeah. an interesting mm-hmm. tie-in constantly. absolutely and that's what, what i was going to say it was just the priest and that that whole conversation is very uh blamey and and f- sadly realistic right based on the history of church and, and things like that um but yeah so i really liked that I, did, I knew there would be some religious part of this just from trailers and things but it, that was more woven in than i expected and i really liked that that aspect of it but totally cool okay let's get into spoilers so if you have not watched <laughs> men tune out now we're about to to talk about the ending um I recommend the movie, so I'll say go watch it and then come back. Um, but I recommend it too. I yeah. think if any, it's a good. It's I mean, it create yes, extremely thought provoking. <laughs> yeah. You'll want to talk I, about this movie. Yeah, I think there are people that are like, I never want to watch it, but I want to hear about it. So yeah, <laughs> if that's for you, then maybe stay tuned. But I really do think uh, go watch it and, and and come back. Hey, quick interruption to remind you to check out our Patreon. It's a great way to support the show and you get some cool stuff like ad-free podcast episodes, extended podcast episodes, bonus podcast episodes, and podcast videos. If you've ever wanted to see our guest faces, the videos are a great way to do that. And I really enjoyed the bonus episodes 
I've recorded here lately as well. Check that all out over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage or find a link in the show notes. Okay, back to the show. Okay, let's talk about spoilers. So we can just kind of walk through the ending of what happens. Sure. But so she, I guess when things really kind of ramp up and become like metaphysical in a way, she uh, has come back from the bar. She tries to call her friend. One interesting little touch that's never explained is actually when yes. she's FaceTiming and it turns into the screaming face. That was really creepy. And I thought that so was really cool. Creepy. Yeah. I, I don't understand why that happened. Me but neither. That was a cool, <laughs> cool touch. Um, but then somehow they are then in her phone as well, which is another maybe clue of like, maybe this isn't really happening. Maybe it's a dream because because uh, that, that's not, also not explained. But right. Not. Um, then the policeman comes back and and he ends up you know kind of switching between all of them all at different moments there's a creepy moment with the the mail slot where she slices his hand in half which was yeah, this the original stalker <laughs> that she met yes in that's the right yeah he comes back and then uh and he also that horribly frustrating scene where they were like oh yeah we had to let him go just like what are you talking about um but then we see him like he shoved leaves into his skin and it's very creepy looking and the thing about the basin i was going to say is at, when we see him at the very end he has like a whole face of like green something going on and he like looks like the basin right and, and i was wondering is that him is that like i don't know this could be me no, yeah. things, but like <laughs> is that like nature like nature yeah maybe. like mother earth like something like that like mm-hmm. he's becoming like it's man's nature to mm-hmm. interesting yeah treat women this way or what that is i don't know because he was very much becoming like a plant man yeah 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 it's really interesting and and again he kind of matches the basin and we also see in a flashback moment where the basin is suddenly in her apartment from the beginning yes which so like i really feel like i don't understand the basin exactly i know Uh, it seems it seems like woman shaming a bit because the the woman side of it is like it like a harlot image or something almost yes. i think um so that's that's interesting so anyway she slices his hand in half jeffrey shows up and we think he's gonna maybe be kind and then in the end he's not um and basically there's a horrible scene where the priest uh comes in and and that that whole conversation is really interesting too where he's you know putting he's like i have these images in my mind he's like obviously very sexually repressed as you know that's again a real thing in the news of priests being the case and oh and that the creepy moment where they're talking on the bench in the middle and she leaves and he like touches the oh oh, yes when he puts his hand on her knee for the first time oh yeah and it's it's like like not necessarily like mm -hmm. he did anything wrong but you just get that feeling where you're like no 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 yeah and that whole thing too i forgot to say this earlier like he so asserts himself into things without asking. And he, he's like, he's well, obviously I should have helped you when I heard you screaming. He's like, that's not obvious. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have, <laughs> you can leave her alone. Yeah. And then he says something to, uh, like he says, come sit with me. Like he says, we must go sit down. And like, he doesn't give her an option. It's like, we have to do this. Uh-huh. And then he opens by saying, if I may, but then he doesn't like stop. He's like, yep. he just keeps, he's like, and yep. I'm going to tell you everything I think, which again, is, you know, an experience I've had with (laughs) religious people, but, um, back to the ending, he has a whole spiel about like, you know, he's been driven wild with lust because of her 
you know, existing in his presence. And uh, that's where he compares her to the sirens. uh, Mm -hmm. And that's where we have that kind of historical thing I was saying. And then he sexually assaults her. And that's kind of where things cut. And okay, she stabs him. And then, okay, she's finally going to get away. She gets in the car. There's an interesting editing there where she's like leaving and we see her driving away, but then it cuts back where she's in the foyer again a couple of times. Mm -hmm. Um, And my take on that is just that, it's, it's like there's no escape from this kind of the same like it's so widespread like even when you think you're out you're not that's um, how i took yeah. it as well which was an interesting little touch she's driving away she uh accidentally runs over jeffrey he then turns out to be terrible and so she runs back to the house and then we get the finale really weird moment where plant man shows up and then he gives birth he suddenly his belly grows huge and he gives birth to another version of Roy Kinnear. And I guess, I guess they are the recognizable versions of him from the film. I think maybe that one's I Jeffrey. Think first, first it is. And then it like kind of just beco- keeps yeah. becoming. So like he gives birth over and over. <laughs> yeah. And like it's the second one or like the second or third one comes out of his back and then out of his mouth is the final one. And then it's actually her husband finally. Mm-hmm. But like a really odd body horror moment with this this pregnancy thing happening over and over. Um, so yeah, I have a few thoughts about it that I'm still kind of working through, but what do you think all of that means? Well, <laughs> just from like a visuals, like cinematically, mm-hmm. it was really well done. I thought it yeah, was really so cool. And yeah, like the body horror of it was like very grotesque. Yeah. And if you're looking for that in a film, like it hits those <laughs> things yeah. like as a, in a way it hadn't up to yeah. that point. Like it really yes. suddenly is like, Oh, this is really going there. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So I think what I think it, it was saying was he's like constantly birthing more. Like it's like impossible mm-hmm. to stop the toxic masculinity yeah. mm-hmm. and it's like birthing it more and more and more. And in these like really painful, grotesque ways. And he's like constantly getting pregnant again each time mm-hmm. he was like born, the stomach would grow really big. And it felt like to me of like, this is a cycle that mm-hmm. is not going to be able to stop. Like she's just going to have to keep murdering yeah. and murdering and murdering. And then at the very, then she does at the very end. And yeah. I thought that the very end of the movie was so interesting because her friend who she's been talking to on the phone this whole time, yeah, who's like, let me come up there. Let me come up there. And finally she's like, I'm getting in the car. I'm going to come see you. So we see Jesse Buckley sitting in the garden, which feels like the garden of Eden. Mm-hmm. Like she's by the tree sitting there. She's covered in blood. So I thought when the friend was pulling up, I was like, okay, maybe everything's going to look normal. And this yeah, was all yeah, in yeah. But then but we see the crashed car. You see yeah. the crashed car. Yeah. You see blood all on the lawn. Then you see Jesse Buckley covered in blood. The friend is revealed. She's pregnant, which I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, and now, and then Jesse Buckley looks at her and smiles. And it was like, okay, now it's these two women, mm-hmm. one who's going to bring a child into the world in the Garden of Eden. Are they starting over without men or, yeah, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. something like that is what it felt like to me. Yeah, <laughs> I, I I like that. And I, I'm processing this on the flex. I hadn't thought of all of what you just said, but I because it has this weird false ending, too, where she has the moment on the couch with her husband who he's like, you know, the fourth generation of this weird birthing moment. Yes. And the final line is she says like, what do you want from me? And he says, love or something like that. And, and like, that's the, the ending. And then 
I guess she stabs him, right? Yeah. I, I can't try to remember. And then, and then it cuts to men. It says men on the screen. Oh, that's the end of the movie. And then we get this little coda. Right. I forgot so that, that, yeah. that was like after. Fake ending, yeah. Which I thought was such a weird choice. But as you're saying that, it's like, maybe it's like, okay, here's the curtain on men. We're done. Yeah. Men, we're good. And then here's this moment with just women. So that's an interesting, interesting, maybe that explains why that happened. Uh, but yeah. And I think this is can go along with that. It doesn't negate any of that. But like my view was just that we kind of we get to that moment where it's just two women, and for the first moment she's safe and she's smiling, and just getting to the idea of like just the need for safety and and I and that the song comes back again too. Like the song that was playing at the beginning, and it's mm-hmm. I can't remember, but it's something about love and like we all all you need is love or something along yeah. those lines and. So I, I, I guess then maybe it's saying we can try to build a better world. Here's, here's the cycle of terribleness that's been there forever. If we take women seriously, maybe as, as a man watching, I'm like, okay, maybe, you know, if we work alongside women or whatever, yeah. um, then then we can build a better world and we can try to put the dandelion back together or whatever. Because that song keeps playing as we then see the dandelion images on the credits. So it yeah. kind of fits in with that maybe, but. But yeah, I, I like the ending. The the birthing part is so horrible. Yeah, I was going to say the same thing. It's just like that cycle of of toxic masculinity that's just handed down, and the fact that we have one of the the men in the movie as a child too. Yeah, um, and he he that that's a moment too that like he calls her a bitch or something when she uh-huh. walks away. And like that's I remembered when um, AOC one of the other legislators yeah. called her a bitch, and she like had a big speech about that. Like that's a thing. Yeah. That, that I was like, I didn't know it was such a thing for women, right. you know? Um, so that's included, but yeah. And then of course, Jeffrey talking about his father and like just the cycles of all that. Yeah. So yes, quite an ending, very memorable quite an ending. ending. And I like, can't stop thinking about the dandelion now that you like said that I'm like, Oh wow. I am going to think about that a lot. Cause I think I was, that is really interesting. Yeah. <laughs> and the ripples and the water, I'm like, Oh, yeah. now I want to go watch it again and like look for all of those things. Maybe you want to rewatch stalker. Cause I haven't seen it in a long time. And, uh, but yeah, like I was, I, I think at some point someone was like, Oh, you guys got to pay attention to the first shot of a movie. It's important. And like we, the first, very first shot is like the balcony in the rain. Right. Oh. Uh, but then it cuts to just the dandelion kind of blowing apart. But yeah. the confusing part that I don't quite understand is when she is at the house at the end and she's, uh, the stalker is there again after Jeffrey has disappeared and we have this great light going in and out effect. That's so cool. But then he comes up and he blows a dandelion all over her in I this slow motion moment. Was. I was like, is he drugging her? Yes. Like maybe that could explain the weird thing she's seeing. She's hallucinating because she also inhales one of the seeds. Mm-hmm. But then um, now that you're saying the stuff mm-hmm. about like, is that supposed to be like the little particles of the toxic yeah. masculinity? There's no way to like put it back together that maybe kind of fits in with it more of like, if mm. she's like sucking some of that in, yeah. it's like in her too. Cause is mm, she like, cause she's, I, I also think throughout the movie battling, blaming herself, like not mm, wanting mm-hmm. to, but also very much like yeah in this grief, not knowing how to deal with it of her yeah. husband's death. Oh, the dandelion really got me thinking go. now. <laughs> <laughs> it is making me want to go watch it again. For sure. I know. Right. Yeah. Well, <sighs> I think we can kind of wrap up. Do you have any other final thoughts on, on men? I just not, I mean, again, well, I am interested. What do you think about (laughs) this type of movie Mm -hmm. and like what it's saying about toxic masculinity and like coming from 
pretty much an all-male crew. The producers mm-hmm. were all men, a male director. Yeah. That's interesting because so, you know, as a feminist man, like I want to yeah. um, be someone who can have great empathy for women in the situations they've been in and try to do right by women with things that I do and say and like be very sensitive to that. And, and also like make sure women are comfortable in my presence. Like Absolutely. I talked to my wife about that. Like if I'm like walking in the subway and it's just me and a woman, I'm going to make sure there's distance or like whatever those things are. And I think there's small, I, I just feel like there's an onus of responsibility uh, on men to be really um, cognizant of that. And I think mm-hmm. so many men are not, and, and I'm not saying that I'm perfect either. Like I, I sure, it's an always yeah. learning thing. Um, and I, and I know I've, you know, it's, it's I, I think, so getting way back, <laughs> I, feminism was like a dirty word growing up in my house. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, those feminazis, even like that yeah, kind of thing was yeah. said. And when I got to college, I was like, oh, actually feminism is like what everyone should think. Like it's oh, obviously yes. like <laughs> it's just equality. Like, yeah. <laughs> and, and so like that was a, a turning point, I think for me, which that was what, like 10 years ago. Um, no, more than that, 12 years ago. Anyway. Um, so I think from, from there, like very early on when I was, about to get married and like we knew the traditional man and woman like man works kind of thing was not mm-hmm. going to be what we wanted and we did we both grew up evangelical and like we didn't know what that meant we that's been a whole thing of learning what that means but anyway right um so i i did also when i was like oh alex garland is making this film that's clearly about men and the problems that men cause i thought that's interesting and is he the right person to do that? Um, but I think ultimately, so like promising a woman, very different, very different perspective, perhaps more useful in some ways, um, probably more useful, but I, I do think that there's a place for this. And as a man who wants to be, uh, empathetic about these kinds of things, I guess I hope that like, take it with a grain of salt, maybe like here's a man's perspective, but it's yeah. still useful to have this voice in the conversation of like, we all got to be better. Even if like, right. maybe this is a man about men for men to, yeah. <laughs> to try to like, Hey, you do this. Don't do this anymore. Like yeah. this, these things are problems and kind of hopefully bring awareness to that. Um, so that's, I think my feeling on it, I completely would uh, not besmirch anyone to say, I am not going to listen to that man talk about this. Cause he doesn't know like, sure. okay. Yeah. I get that. Yeah. Like, that's perfectly fine. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's how I feel about it. Yeah, I I think I agree. I because I definitely wrestle with it a little bit of like, hmm. I like you've kind of heard throughout this whole podcast, mm-hmm. like internally a little bit. But I also think that this movie is saying something. I think it's really interesting. I think it's bringing up a lot of interesting conversations. Uh, but yeah, I mean, time will tell as well too. Yeah. Like, yeah, hopefully. Alex Garland is who he seems to say yeah. that he is too. Yeah. It's also yeah. like kind of nerve wracking sometimes and directors and Hollywood and all right. that too. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So I don't know. Time will tell. And I think it was, yeah. it's an interesting story and it, it made me think so much, which I yeah. love a movie that like, I'm like, okay, well I'm still thinking about it. So that means something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I think it's interesting that we both have said like, it's fairly obvious, like all the, the metaphors and all that are yes. like, again, on the nose. And maybe that's, you know, partially because this is a man writing this movie about this. Yes. Like, it's not that it's necessarily surface level, maybe not the right word, but like, we're going to, we're going to look at this and hit, hit the, like you hit the get it. You're, yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. If you don't get it, you're maybe asleep <laughs> because yeah, exactly. it's really being told to you what it mm-hmm. is. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. Well, very interesting film. Uh, I'm so glad that I've seen it. I'm so glad to have talked to you about it. Thanks so yeah. much again for coming on the show. Uh, we'll have to have you back again Please. sometime soon. Seriously, I whenever your next short comes you, out. So. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> uh, well, this has been great. Thanks again. And we can wrap it up there and we'll talk to you next time. Thanks. Huge thanks to Corey. I loved that discussion and I'm so glad she came on the show. Stay tuned. Next time, we will finish up our film noir series by looking at a neo-noir, 1974's Chinatown. That one is streaming on HBO Max if you want to give it a watch before the next episode drops. Rance Collins will be back again for that one. The following week, I'm planning to discuss the new David Cronenberg film, Crimes of the Future. It's a horror film that looks quite intense, but I'm excited to check it out. And with that, thank you, thank you for listening to Art House Garage. We've got a few years worth of episodes, and you can hear all of those in your podcast app of choice. Our theme music is by composer Paul Hunefeld. Learn more at appallingproductions.com. If you want to support Art House Garage, become a patron over at patreon.com slash arthousegarage, or find a link in the show notes. You can also buy an Art House Garage t-shirt at arthousegarage.com slash shop. If you want to support us without spending any money, leave a rating or review in your podcast app, and that is hugely helpful. Stay in the loop about Arthouse Garage and the films we're covering by subscribing to our email newsletter at arthousegarage.com slash subscribe, or you can email me directly, andrew, at arthousegarage.com. And of course, follow on social media. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Letterboxd. Just search at Arthouse Garage in all those places or find links in the show notes. And that will do it for this episode. Thank you again so much for listening. And until next time, keep a snob free.